Well, good afternoon, everyone. It's good to have so many of you here with us this afternoon. We've got a great presentation today, and thanks for joining us. Uh, my name is Gary Harbett. I'm from QMC's Client Success Team, and I'll be hosting and your moderator for this event, but we have a great presenter today, and I am honored and, then, and humbled that he chose to join us today. Joining us is Paul Fariga. Paul is the president and chief storyteller. And I'll let him explain that a little more to you here in a second from a great award-winning public relations firm here in the city of Pittsburgh, which he founded in 2002. Uh, Paul and I were talking earlier, and I think our lives have crossed in a, uh, previously down the road many years ago in healthcare. So it's really good to see him again. Uh, I was looking on the website about Paul getting ready for today's presentation. And one thing that stood out to me, well, there was actually two things that stood out to me, Paul. The first of all is you're, you're a classically trained tubist. That's true. <laughs> wow. Not many folks walking around with a tuba anymore. That's true, too. Oh, yes. <laughs> My goodness, do you still have it? I do. I just had it restored a few years ago. It's, uh, yeah, we could go down a bunny trail there. Let's just say that uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's a fine instrument. Well, I know that uh, your talents are far and many, but that one caught my eye. So as I mentioned, uh, Paul has worked, uh, has founded WordWrite back in 2002. He also worked for a global public relations firm called Ketchum. And actually, that's where I think that I met Paul um, years ago. Um, he's got his uh, BS, and I'll let Paul tell you more about that, from uh, Ohio's Miami University. Right. Um, and he's had some great interviews over the course of his lifetime. Uh, <laughs> Bill Clinton, Shirley Temple Black, which not all the people joining us today probably are going to know Shirley Temple Black, Paul. Um, That's but true. I, they won't. The good ship lollipop. Used to watch her on Saturday mornings. Yes, sir. That's right. I think the one standout that most will remember you for is, or at least is the big one for you, is Alice Cooper. Now, that had to have been yeah. something. Yes, that was very interesting. I bet. We could do a whole segment on that, I'm sure. We probably could, yeah. <laughs> Great. Well, thank you for joining us. Um, Paul, as, as you know, uh, one of the challenges or many, one of the many challenges emergency medical services have across the country, and we, we do have people joining us today um, from states uh, as far west as Oregon and as far north as Maine today. Wow, great. Down into Florida, I can see. Um, and we all suffer from many of the same challenges. And a lot of that is the fact that, um, you know, we, we hear about our good friends in public safety, the police and the fire all the time. And then we hear a lot about these people called ambulance drivers, which is a name that none of us like at all. You mean medics. Medics, yes, sir, you got it right. <laughs> medics out in the street. And there, many of them are joining us here today. And these are people who have devoted their lives for those who are suddenly stricken ill or injured. And um, it's an honor to say that I've been part of that group for many, many years now. But you know, one of the issues that they have is um, being identifying and fostering local support in their community and really telling their story. 
Yes. And so I've asked you to come today to talk a little bit about that uh, as far as, you know, promoting your organization and telling your story to your community because, you know, it's very tough to survive. Many of our clients that are on today um, do not receive any tax dollars. There is no tax backing for the organization. So they live off of uh, many of the things that we do, third-party billing. Uh, they live off community, some community support through subscriptions and memberships. Um, so it's very challenging. Enter in 2020 with a pandemic. We saw many call volumes suffer, go down. And sadly, uh, ambulance services across the country, um, some of them have closed. And um, although um, there's always somebody to cover your area, if that happens, um, we know in our business, time is of the essence. And the longer it takes to get to you, in a critical situation, your chances of survival surely decrease. So, Paul, I'm, I'm putting a heavy burden on your shoulders today, uh, and uh, I'm going to turn it over to you. And again, with my thanks on behalf of the leadership of QMC and all our teams, thank you so much for joining us. It's all yours. Thank you, Gary. Thank you for having me, Gary. I just want to make sure that uh, I'm going to share my screen here. And I want to make sure that you all are seeing the appropriate screen. Are you seeing my slides there? I think we have them up. Paul, if I could just add one more thing. Uh, this, yes, is, this is a webinar. So if you folks do have questions at the bottom of your video screen, you'll see a little Q&A button. Feel free to type your question in there. I will see it. I'll pose your question to Paul. Uh, Paul's very open to any and all questions, so don't be backward. The hardest question is always the first one, so somebody break the ice, and then we'll be off. So just feel free to use that Q&A button this way. I'll get notified, and I'll be able to ask your question. Thank you. Paul? Thank you, Gary. And I'll just add to Gary's point that if your question is urgent, Gary will be sure to interrupt me. Uh, that might happen. You never know. So what are we going to talk about today? Imagine if in a revenue and resource challenged environment, you had everything that you needed to grow your organization in terms of respect in the community, in terms of financial support, in terms of volunteer and full-time staffing, if that's an issue, in terms of partnerships with healthcare organizations in your community. What if I told you that even in this COVID challenged environment, you have everything you need to do that. Because you have something called your capital S story. And we're gonna define that and talk more about that today and explain why that story drives the brand that your organization has and the mission of the organization. So let's get started here. Maybe you're an Avengers fan, maybe not. One of the most successful storytelling enterprises of the 21st century, multimedia. Uh, yes, indeed, being watched at home on Netflix and other streaming services during this crazy time. Why are you here? Well, maybe you just love uh, the Board and Collar podcasts and all the great content that Gary and the team at Quick Med Claims put out. And I must say, their content is phenomenal. You might be a little bit more curious about why I'm here. I'm here because I am absolutely positively passionate about stories. And I believe I come to that legitimately in the sense that, depending on how you look at it, I've had two or three careers. 
In my first career, nearly two decades, I was a journalist. I did everything from covering murders and a lot of first responder events uh, all the way to the White House and Congress. I wrote, and I did count it one time, more than 10,000 stories. And as an editor, I easily edited another 10,000. I spent a brief and diseased period in politics. Maybe we can talk about that in the uh, question and answer section. Uh, I think you can tell by my description of it that it wasn't a very long part of my career. It was helpful though. The last two decades of my career have been spent as an agency veteran telling stories on behalf of organizations with great stories to tell. So today in the next 20 or 25 minutes or so, what we're gonna learn is what the heck a capital S story is and how to find yours, where to find your organization's heroes and come on, as medics, all of you have heroes in your organizations, you know that. Connecting those heroic stories to your organization's story to develop the support and other resources you need is a big part of the reason why we're having this conversation today. And then finally, I'm gonna give you some links to some resources that you can take back to your team and your organization to continue the conversation and see if this story idea isn't something that you can employ in growing your community and growing your community support and growing the health of your organization. All right. So why are we talking about stories today? That's because look at where we're living. And this is not a political statement, but we just came through this crazy time, we elected a new president. What was everybody talking about? All this information overload. Boy, there were some days in 2020 between the virus and social justice and economic problems and politics. How could you keep things straight? You know, even in my business, and we work around the news industry all day long, you know, at 10 o'clock, I would think the day was going in one direction. And at two o'clock, it was going in a completely different direction. Well, guess what? Our brains weren't built for this crap. Our brains are struggling to process this information. Today, according to a study done by the University of Southern California, we take in in our brains five times as much information as we did in 1986. Heck, look, I'm not talking about the Middle Ages or a Stone Age man. I'm talking about just, you know, 35 years ago. It's incredible to consider how much our brains need to deal with on a daily basis. So guess what? We've got this very old brain that at the elemental level, and of course on the medical side, as medics, you know, uh, your teams, your folks, you're dealing with this all the time. This is the part of the brain that keeps you alive, right? This is the part of the brain that's responsible for things such as breathing, but also what we call fight or flight, right? Guess what? That's where stories make a connection because our brains on average represent 3% of our body weight, but they consume 23% of our body's energy. Look at it this way. Our brains are the original energy saving appliance. So when we put together presentations for support or for service expansion, and they're filled with bullets of data and statistics and numbers and 
good golly, there's no more room on the screen for anything. It's not hitting where it needs to hit. Stories reach people at this level. And the research that's been done, what's called the old brain or reptilian brain, suggests that there are six inputs that the brain responds to at this level. Things that are personal, things that are contrastable. So think about, you know, centuries ago, uh, an ancestor walking along the tree line in the jungle. What do I see out of the corner of my eye? Is that a tiger that I need to worry about or am I safe? Something that's tangible and real that I can touch. Something that's memorable. Something that's visual. Research shows that the greatest percentage of human beings today who take in information respond most to visual information. And of course, at this level, the brain responds to things that are emotional. Well, folks, this is what stories do. Good stories are emotional. They paint a picture in your mind, even if they're delivered only with words. They're memorable. They're tangible. They bring to life concepts that can be very hard to grasp if you're just simply looking at bullets on a slide. They provide some contrast. And ideally as well, they're personal. So our brains are wired for stories. Now, there's more to it than that. Um, don't take my word for it. I've got a few uh, quotes here from a variety of individuals. Uh, Alex Krotowski, who is an author and describes stories as memory aids, instruction manuals, moral compasses, right? Roger uh, Shank has done a lot of work on how the brain processes stories. He's a cognitive scientist. Humans aren't ideally set up to understand logic. They're set up to understand stories. You know you need support. You know you may need a new unit. You know you may need more help. Telling that story that supports that need is going to make a big difference. And I love this one, Dean Koontz, maybe some of you have read some of his books. A storyteller finds order in the apparent chaos of life, and order is a light in the darkness. Wow. Think about the work that you folks do on a daily basis. You're sometimes pulling people out of the darkness, bringing them back to life and back to light. What great stories you have to share, and we'll talk more about that. Right, here you go. Medics in an air ambulance, right? This is, this is what a lot of you do on a daily basis. Maybe you don't have uh, an air ambulance fleet in your organization, but you know that you know, when, when it's necessary, this is the fastest way to get to somebody, right? Uh, and then maybe they ride the rest of the way in a, in a bus or something, but that's, that's what you know, the general public thinks about as the sexiest part of what you do and the sexiest story, right? So it's helpful to keep that in perspective when we talk about reaching all the audiences that you need to reach and let them know the stories behind what it is you do. Now, why, why should you care about stories? I mean, if you're out there saving lives, if, if you've got a pager or a beeper or you're listening to a scanner or you've got people who do that, you know, you want to focus on your work. What's your work? Saving people's lives, getting the medical care they need. Well, guess what? Stories can help you do that because, as we saw in the previous slide, you have great stories to share. So in that way, 
in the work you do, your stories are your secret weapon. And that secret weapon is going to get you the support you need in terms of money and other resources. And for sure, you know, as Gary mentioned, I mean, my home, I'm served by volunteer, you know, medical service. I pay my annual subscription. I know it doesn't cover the full cost of the operation because as Gary mentioned, you know, I have a little bit of familiarity with what you folks do. I understand the story, but you know what? I met with the folks who run uh, my service and guess what one of their greatest challenges are? People don't pay the annual subscription. They don't understand the story. Telling the story will make a difference. All right. So now there are stories and then there's stories. So I have nothing against Microsoft at all. But I will tell you a flat press release announcing something and the conceptual idea of Apple and Steve Jobs are two very different things, aren't they? Most people have a hard time thinking about Apple, even though he's been dead for a few years now, without thinking about Steve Jobs. Because he was that kind of a storyteller and that kind of a character in the story of Apple who really made the story more than just a flat press release or bullets on a slide. And that's why the title here is Stories and Capital S Stories. Because Jobs had a vision for Apple and what Apple could do, and he communicated it relentlessly. And many experts in my field attribute a great deal of the company's success to his genius in doing that. So, in your world, what does a capital S story do? It answers these fundamental questions. And this is why we call it a capital S story. It's the story above all other stories. It answers why someone would use your service. And I know some of you operate in geographies where, you know, the first responder might have a choice of who's going to deliver the medical care, right? It answers why somebody should volunteer or work for you, you know, in in Pennsylvania, uh, we have one of the, the highest percentages of emergency medical care delivered by volunteer services. And I literally know people who've worked for different companies as volunteers, right? So there's a competition for talent sometimes. And your capital S story can explain why you should have the benefit of folks who are trained to do what you need them to do. It explains why somebody should invest in you, whether that might be a healthcare partnership or a local government, it explains why somebody should partner with you. And again, this could be a local government, healthcare organization, et cetera. And also be your advocate, right? If I'm gonna pay my subscription for my emergency medical service, wouldn't it be great if I knew your story well enough to talk to all my neighbors and make sure they paid too, right? That's the world you live in. And that's how your capital S story can help you. So here's some more examples. In your world, your capital S story might explain how your service came to be. Why do we exist? Why do we serve this area? It might explain the dream, the vision, or the passion that keeps the service going. It might describe the need that you fill. Hey, if we weren't here, this many people would not get the care they need 
but wouldn't get it as quickly. It can provide a call to action. It can describe to the people you most want to reach why you need their support. And it can also sometimes provide what I call an epiphany, right? Because if your service is looking at, your agency is looking at adding a service, right, that didn't exist before, and you can demonstrate the need, wow, you mean you can get me to a tertiary care hospital that much more quickly if we add the service, this equipment, the staff, wow. Those are the things that your capital S story can do for you. Simply put, your capital S story is your reason for being. And as I've noted here at the end, uh, we'll have some downloads for you. Uh, you'll be able to take advantage of. Okay. Now, every story has a hero and every good story has a great hero. Most of you probably don't know what this is. Some of you may be EMS trained and may also be firefighters. So for that group of you, you're probably looking at this and saying, that is one hell of a burned kitchen appliance. And it most certainly is, but it's a very special burned appliance. This one belonged to a co-founder of Nike. And this is the test bed for the famous Nike waffle shoes. You see, it was an or University of Oregon track coach who trained Phil Knight, who's the CEO of Nike that's best known as a world-class runner. And if it weren't for this track coach, there would be no Nike. And during the summer of 1969 and 1970, he went into his wife's kitchen over and over again and destroyed a number of waffle irons trying to perfect the design for the original Nike shoe. Why do I have this picture? Because Nike is a great storytelling company. And guess what? At their Beaverton, Oregon campus, they have a museum. And this is in the museum because Nike understands its capital S story and they understand that this is a touchstone to who they are and why they exist. Michael Jordan, Tiger Woods, yes, yes, yes. Great athletes, the swoosh, yes, yes, yes. That's not the Nike story, that's the extension of the Nike story. The Nike story is this, world-class athletic excellence applied so that you and I, weekend warriors, hey, maybe we just like Nike clothes and we're couch potatoes, but we're associating ourselves with a story that represents athletic excellence. Now, it's important to note that there's more than one kind of a hero. Given the kind of work you do, it's likely that most of you are gonna fall into a certain category of heroes. What you're looking at here, it's what's known as an archetype wheel. And at our firm, all of our work is grounded in two things. One, the work of Carl Jung, the famous psychoanalyst. And two, the work of Joseph Campbell, the famous mythologist. Let me explain. Jung 
was practicing his psychoanalysis during World War I in Switzerland. And for those of you who know your history, you will know that during World War I and World War II, Switzerland was a neutral country. What does that mean? That means that people fleeing the war in adjacent countries were coming to Switzerland. And it's very interesting because different cultures, different languages, what did Jung find? In his psychoanalysis, people were having the same dreams in which they were experiencing the same stories regardless of their culture, regardless of their language. Joseph Campbell, the mythologist, traveled the world during the depression because he couldn't be hired by a, an institution of higher learning. He couldn't get a PhD during the depression. And that exposed him to cultures around the world. And guess what he learned? The very same thing, that regardless of economic attainment, geography or language, human beings, we tell the same stories over and over and over again. Many, many organizations have distilled this into these 12 most common archetypes. When we work with organizations at our firm, what we are doing to help them understand and develop their capital S story is to uncover the archetype that most closely fits their organization. Now, I said a couple minutes ago that you will likely fall into a particular category. If you can see the screen clearly on the right-hand side where it says social, you will see that one common archetype is caregiver. Another one is everyman. Hero is on the other side, but certainly some of you may be considered heroic organizations in terms of your capital S story. Now, Campbell is also well known for doing one other thing, and that is he worked with George Lucas on Star Wars. When Lucas decided in the 1970s that he was going to do Star Wars, he sat over and over again with Campbell to understand the power of archetypes. So even if you're not a Star Wars fan, you probably heard the name Luke Skywalker. Guess what? Luke is the outlaw, which you can see at the top here. And Yoda is the magician. And in the story that Campbell believed was most commonly told in human history, which he called the hero's journey, both of those archetypes are present. Very interesting stuff, right? We're popping the hood here and we're taking a look inside what makes your story work. So how do you find your hero? Well, as I mentioned, we align archetypes with your people. So your organization is going to have people who best represent what you do, and they become the heroes. Now, you don't have to be somebody big or famous to do this. Again, as, as I said earlier at the very beginning of our time today, you can put this together uh, yourselves without having to invest a lot of money to figure this out. And I got a couple more downloads for you to help you figure this out. Now, uncovering your capital S story, the first download that I'm going to give you is going to help you take a look at what are the most common questions that we ask organizations when we work with them. And it might be difficult for you to see this. Um, you'll get the slides as well at the end. 
why would somebody buy from you, work for you, invest in you, partner with you, be your neighbor? So uh, earlier on, uh, on one of the earlier slides, I adapted this for your uh, medical community, your EMS community. Um, and, uh, you know, go back and ask your, your, your leadership team, have a conversation. What are the answers to, to your questions? That'll help you figure out your story. Now, we just talked about heroes as well. So I've got another download for you to poke around a little bit on the concept of heroes. So what you've got here are examples in this document. Again, it might be hard to see on the slides, but you'll be able to read this uh, on the downloads. Uh, so these are companies, but it'll give you a good idea. So examples of the outlaw, Harley Davidson or Southwest Airlines, the Explorer, Nike, North Face, uh, word rights in there. Yes, we are like the chef that eats our own cooking. We have our archetype and our story too. Uh, the Sage, Gallup, or Wikipedia, or WebMD, et cetera, et cetera. Again, this is a tool for you to sit down with folks in your organization and puzzle this out a little bit and figure out whether you're interested in telling your capital S story and whether you can tease it out, figure out what archetype works for you and who your heroes might be. Now, what's the point of all this? Just kind of recap. Again, you don't wind up doing what you folks do because you want to be a storyteller. You do it because you want to focus on your work. You want to help people. You want to save lives. As a result of that work, you have great stories. As I said earlier, your secret weapon are your stories. What challenge do most of you face? Getting the support you need to continue to do the work you want to do. And guess what? The capital S story is what's going to allow you to be able to do that. I pulled this. This is a great story. Uh, comes out of Denver. Uh, this particular uh, air ambulance service this is a young girl. She's 16 years old. This happened in December. I apologize, I don't have her, her name in front of me, but if anybody's interested, I have the story and the link. Uh, I mean, literally her life was saved because they were able to get her to the advanced medical care she needed. And she came back and thanked everybody for it. I mean, those are the kinds of stories you folks have to share. Identifying those stories and aligning them with what you do in a format that enables you to get the support you need is really why I wanted to spend time with you today. Folks, your, your work is so crucial to the functioning of our society. And you know, you have great organizations like Quick Med Claims who are willing to work with you to help you do some of the things that are necessary in order to deliver on your mission. But I'm, Gary, there might be somebody with us today, but I seriously doubt it who got into this line of work because they wanted to do medical billing, right? Probably unlikely. Probably unlikely, yes. Yeah. So, you know, in the same way, none of you got into this because you wanted to be marketing geniuses. I'm hopeful that what I've shared with you today is going to get the, the juices flowing and the thoughts stirring in terms of how you can better share what's an awesome story. I put this in all the talks I do, you know, after presentation, more than half of those who participate remember stories, only 5% remember statistics. I'm sorry that you folks live in a world of healthcare and government where you are forced 
to use statistics on a daily basis for just about everything you do. Number of runs, uh, you know, types of care delivered, you know, uh, miles on your vehicles, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Stories, stories are what will help you drive the results that you want. Last but not least, in the slide deck, you can see here where you can get all this information. There is a web page at the very bottom there. Just go to wordwritepr.com forward slash QMC dash webinar. And that will get you everything you need. And at this point, Gary, I can stop sharing if that makes sense. And uh, we can go to questions or whatever else makes sense. Sure. A uh, couple questions, Paul. Um, I think that you just actually covered this one, but maybe you want to detail it a little further. Uh, this question came in from our good friends out in Wyoming. And uh, they write, and I'm going to paraphrase here, that they, on, an, on a monthly basis, have to justify their existence in front of their town council. Wow. And in the past, they have always used facts and statistics. Yes, yes. To um, enlighten them and hope bring the light to them to make them understand their organization better. Um, and again, I think you've covered this already, but they said, uh, what type of facts might we use and what type of stories should we interject? And uh, again, I think you answered that, but if you'd like to detail that a little further, I think they'd love to hear. I'd be happy to, Gary. So, so let me give you some examples. I mean, obviously, first and foremost, like the picture I had near the end of the 16-year-old girl whose life was saved because there, there was an air ambulance service available. Ideally, if it was possible to speak to the town council on a monthly basis and share with them, if you will, a story of the month, you know, here's how we made a difference this month. That would be great. Now, a lot of times in the work that you folks do, you're dealing with situations and, you know, let's say an opioid overdose. You're not going to go before town council with somebody who's going to say, thank you for saving my life. I, I OD'd on opioids, right? So I recognize that's not always going to be possible. That's the ideal story to share. Somebody who, you know, who's your, your, the availability of your service made a difference in their life, maybe even up to including they wouldn't be here. But there's other stories you can share as well. Stories of, of support and assistance that you provide uh, in the community. Um, the person who, uh, if you're subscription-based in part or in total, who writes in with the check and, you know, says, you know, I, I do this because maybe that person's story can be shared in one of those months. Um, the stories bring those facts to life in a way uh, that uh, the facts alone, as my, my slide at the end there from uh, Chip and Dan Heath, uh, demonstrates that is just much more memorable. Now, in our work with clients, a lot of times what we'll do um, to help you along as well is we, we have what we call an editorial calendar. So uh, I don't know about the folks in Wyoming, Gary, but you know there might be a time of year where you're seeking financial support or some seasonality to what you do. And we often find that that's helpful uh, as well. Uh, to tell certain kinds of stories at different times of the year that are either uh, related to 
the support of your service or the kind of work you do. You know, just another example, you know, firework safety in the summer. If you're providing service in an area where there's drought or concerns uh, about, you know, wildfire spreading, that might be a time uh, to talk about uh, injuries from, from those sorts of situations. Is that helpful? Yes, very much so. I had another question for you, Paul. This one comes to us uh, from our good friends in Maryland. And they're asking, over time, can organizational archetypes shift? Yes, that's a great question. So uh, you can see, um, and of course, I've done this uh, total, totally so that I can do these kinds of presentations. I got my book back there, right? So think about a book for a minute. A book has chapters, right? So the story of your organization when it's founded might be very, you know, let's say you're 50 years old. The story of your organization today compared to when it was 50, you know, beginning 50 years ago would be very different. So yes, you absolutely can see your archetype shift over time. Great. One more here for you. Actually, two more. I'm going to save the what I think to be the, the most lighthearted one for the end here. Okay. <laughs> but uh, the, next, the next question is, if, if we had, if you had 10 minutes to promote your organization, I guess in front of your town council or right. Uh, right. Office, would you pick uh, a story that involved a patient or something that surrounded uh, the composition of what makes the organization go each day? What's a better story to tell, I guess, is what they're asking us. Paul. Wow. Yeah. So uh, I said a few minutes ago, I, I think it's the patient story. And there's a couple of reasons for that that are um, psychological. Um, government organizations that provide support to an EMS service are going to continually look at things through the frame of constituent services, right? So whether or not you're directly or indirectly affiliated with the governmental unit that you're reporting to, you know, it's, they care about what the people who vote them into office think. So if you bring somebody in who is, represents those people who's going to sing your praises, that's awesome. I will say, though, that over time, you know, it's, it's likely that you might, you know, from month to month or however often you report, not have a story like that. And those are the times when I would, would share the story of what makes the organization run. And, you know, you can personify, you know, everything from a vehicle uh, to another piece of equipment. You know, most of the folks that I know who are in volunteer run, subscription supported services, they're driving vehicles that have a lot of miles on them, you know? So you might go to the, your, your council, your government one month and talk about old Bessie. Let's talk about Bessie. She's had two transmissions. She's got 500,000 miles, you know? I, I don't know what you guys call the, the unit that's on the back, um, but you know, that's been replaced two or three times, you know? Uh, personify it, bring it to life for people so they really understand uh, what it is that you're doing on a daily basis. So how many miles did you drive last month? You know, um, the, on, on our runs last month, we, we drove enough miles to go from New York to California and back or something like that. Something that gives the folks you're reporting to a picture of what it is that they can hold on to. Very good. Okay. Uh, 
feel free to ask more questions, folks. We'll be glad to pose them to Paul. But uh, since we don't have any more, Paul, I, I can see you're sitting down, and I'm glad that you are. <laughs> and I debated stating this at the onset of today's program, but the question is, did you interview Alice Cooper with or without his makeup on? Oh, well, that's a good question. It was with. It was without. That's from Florida, by the way. So just okay, it was without. I got to say, it was a few years ago too, so he was younger. But the man has tats. <laughs> a lot. So obviously, a memorable interview for you, for sure. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. It was. Uh, it was quite the, very, very intelligent. It's interesting, you know. I'm a product of my generation. So, you know, rockers like Alice uh, Cooper and uh, Kiss and, and, you know, folks who made a sort of a, a whole thing of getting dressed up to do their storytelling. Uh, by and large, I found them to be very intelligent, erudite individuals. Um, there's a lot of thought that goes into what they do, which may surprise some people who are with us today, or maybe not. Well, thank you. Paul, uh, thank you for your time. Um, if anybody would like to contact you, what would the best way for them to go about doing so? So, uh, wordwritepr.com is our website, and there's a pull-down navigation that takes you to my bio and my email. And, and once again, uh, from the presentation today, wordwritepr.com forward slash QMC dash webinar. We'll also get you to all the resources we discussed today, including a copy of all the slides. Very good. And, and Paul, just one other comment, uh, just a suggestion. Uh, can Paul please clarify the importance to be aware of HIPAA when telling stories? Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, that is critically important. And that's why I suggested earlier, you know, you may not be able to tell a patient's story uh, all the time. So, We've worked with a lot of folks in, in the healthcare space, and um, it is a small extra step. Um, and a lot of times, you know, you make a run, you save somebody's life, and you're on to the next thing. But it, family members we often find to be very helpful in this regard, and you start the conversation there. Um, in our experience, a lot of times they're the people who first express their gratitude for what you've done, and. It's just a sentence, just to say, you know, that is, thank you for your, your gratitude. We were glad to be there. You know what would really help? Can we share your story? And then obviously, you know, given HIPAA, you will likely have to talk to the patient themselves as well. But if you've already talked to mom or dad or sister or brother or husband or wife, that becomes an easier conversation to have. And generally speaking, Again, unless it's, you know, uh, something uh, like an opioid overdose, uh, we find that families are happy to do that. Great. Thank you. Well, Paul, uh, th again, thank you for your time today. Uh, I did have one uh, question that folks asked if this was being recorded. Yes, it is being recorded, and we will put the audio version on uh, the Board and Caller podcast channel. Give me a day or two to get it up there and uh, feel free to download it, subscribe to our channel. We'd love to have you. We are approaching 10,000 downloads. So go in there and download your heart out. We, we'd love to have you join us. And uh, again, Paul, uh, I know you're a great tuba player, but, <laughs> but 
but you're also quite the gentleman and a scholar for doing this for all of us today, and I thank you. Uh, it is my great pleasure, Gary. I, what you folks do at QMC is essential to so many organizations so they can focus on saving lives. And thank you to everybody who joined today. I honor you for your service and your willingness to make sure that people get the care they need so they continue to live another day. Well stated, Paul, and we, we uh, say that often. Sometimes uh, we don't look to the job that we do each day. We get caught up in it, just like we all do in every facet of life. But at the end of the day, we are, our organization is caring for the caregivers. Uh, so we take that to heart and we try to, try to wear that on our sleeve as much as we can, because uh, it is important. It is very, very important. So to all of those who attended today, thank you. Uh, again, uh, if you need uh, information from Paul, you can surely go to uh, wordrightpr.com or feel free to contact us at clientsuccess at quickmedclaims.com and I'll be happy to push the information along to Paul for, for you. So with that, I'll say thanks again. Everybody have a great day and hey, be safe out there. <laughs>